Charlie, and welcome listeners to 2050 Miles of Poetry. Super, and um, how is the weather in Helsinki, Lee? It's so nice, it's lovely. It's 14 degrees, but it feels like 35, and the sun is out, and it's cloudless. I've got my massive three-meter win- uh, three window open to try and air out my flat, and I'm sat in the very corner of my flat where the sun doesn't reach, because the rest of it is way too hot to be in. So it's lovely. How are you? So, or, or not so lovely. Well, yeah, it's a bit of both. Describe. It's lovely to be outside and it's horrific to be inside recording podcasts. But <laughs> Have you seen many Finnish people out in the streets then? Have they all sort of now, are they out of lockdown, so to say? Yeah, so lockdown is kind of, we're emerging from lockdown. Uh, a lot of the shops are open. Things like cinemas and theatres aren't open anymore and museums aren't open. But Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, but I don't think I'd want to go to them anyway yet. Still feels a bit sketchy, yeah. but well, this is a weird one because I I am craving going swimming, mm. and I found out that the Serpentine uh, Lido has been opened up, or not really Lido, you know, they're just the massive pond, yeah. and oh, I'm craving going swimming. But um, friends have suggested that perhaps it's not it's unwise. What do you think? Do you think I should leap in? I don't know. It's possibly unwise in a non chlorinated thing. Do you think? Can the virus live in water? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think they've suggested people slick their body with alcohol oh after they emerge, <laughs> which is quite quite a, a funny uh, funny thing to before imagine. and after, like duck fat <laughs> yeah, when you exactly. have to swim the channel. But... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's kind exactly. of weird. So yeah, it does feel like in the UK we are still living in a dystopian future. Have you have you read about what's been happening in Milton Keynes? No, what's happening in Milton Keynes? <laughs> but, um, in Milton Keynes. Uh, small robots are exist what? which come shin high uh, oh and they're like white and it does they do look like the future they're called um, it's called the starship delivery service and they deliver I think you know food and takeaways how weird is that <laughs> is this a lie they just scuttle true? along <laughs> no it's not a lie it's true That's so it's weird well, how do you along. stop people from just stealing whatever's in the robot or the robot, I have no clue. Yeah, or the robot I just think itself. it sounds really weird. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, there's probably one crazy guy in Milton Keynes who's got about 400 of those robots in his flat or something. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> very strange. That's really weird. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very jealous that, you know, uh, that you can now go to the shops in Helsinki. Yeah, and it's been such nice weather. I've been outside quite a lot this weekend so far. I've been um, sitting in the park and reading my book and also going for nice long walks in the forest and stuff. So that's been really nice. Oh, that sounds amazing. Have you been able to get out at all? Because don't you have unlimited exercise now? We have got unlimited exercise um, and I have been for two walks today. Whoa, Quite the man. treat. <laughs> yeah, and I'm considering actually, I was going to ask you advice on this as well, Lee. Okay, because um, I'm considering taking the plunge uh, into Pokemon Go because I never actually got into it the first time. Yeah, you should. As a source of entertainment as nothing's open. Yeah, you should. Does it still exist? I think it does still exist. And I have to say somewhat shamefully that (laughs) in 2016 when it came out, it coincided perfectly with me leaving that job that I had at the time. And I played it quite a lot (laughs) how many pokemon get did you catch uh nearly all of the original (laughs) oh my god oh my god oh i love it thanks but you think i should jump in you think it'll be a source of joy yeah definitely it'll get you out give you some structure to your (laughs) walking that's great that's great well um it is a very surreal bank holiday and i thought you know i need something fun to do so why not yeah exactly that sounds great (laughs) have you got anyone to go with We will see, we will see. <laughs> cool, so shall we crack on with today's poems? We don't have any reader poetry this week, which is very sad. Oh, that's really disappointing. Yeah. No, so so neither Grant nor Sean have decided to write another poem. No, they haven't. Please, Grant that's and really Sean, sad. come back with some more. We miss you here. <laughs> that was an impassioned plea, deep from the heart. Please. <laughs> but this week, I decided to go with a poet who I'm quite familiar with their work, I would say. Um, But perhaps not their poetry. I'm quite familiar with their music and their books. And that is Patti Smith, who is, for anyone that doesn't know, which I can't imagine there's that many people that don't know who Patti Smith is, but she is 
a musician and a poet and a writer and a kind of godmother of punk, I guess, or something like that. Uh, she was born in... And an artist. Yeah, and an artist. She's a bit of everything, really. Um, and she was born in 1946. And her 1975 album, Horses, is kind of a classic. And I would like to start with a poem which is called Oath. And people familiar with Patti Smith's work might recognise the first line of this poem because she used it in her song Gloria, um, which is a cover of a song by them. But she enhanced the lyrics by including her own kind of intro, which used some lyrics from this poem. Uh, and she wrote this in 1970 at the age of 20. So this is Oath by Patti Smith. I had to um, transcribe this from a YouTube video, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very impressed. Oath, Patti Smith. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Melting in a pot of thieves, wild card up my sleeve. Thick heart of stone, my sins my own. They belong to me. I engrave my own palms, sweet black X. Adam, place no hex on me. I embrace Eve and take full responsibility for every pocket I've picked, mean and slick, for every Johnny A song I've bawled to long before the church made it neat and right. So Christ, I'm giving you the goodbye. I'm firing you tonight. I can make my own light shine and darkness too is equally fine. You got strung up for my brother, but for me, I draw the line. You died for somebody's sins, but not mine. That one is, I think, quite an amazing rejection of religion. Um, and I was reading that Patti Smith was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. And so she has quite a deep knowledge of the Bible and things like that. And she uses that in quite a lot of her poetry to kind of reject those ideas. So she comes across as a very spiritual person, but also strongly atheist or at least strongly against uh christianity and uh so but a lot of her poems and a lot of her lyrics do they reference the bible yeah and they use religious imagery and things and in that way it's quite similar to i guess people who know a bit about patty smith they know around this time she was living with robert mapplethorpe the artist and he also uses a lot of like religious imagery and things uh in his photographs so I think you can draw kind of parallels between the work they were both doing there. And I think it's kind of interesting because it's pre-punk uh, and it's kind of after the hippies, I guess. And it's in an interesting period where they're kind of referencing all kinds of other things that were rejected completely by punk and were kind of, I guess, frowned upon by the sort of hippie movement. Okay, and the second one that I'd like to read is from 1973. And there's a pair that I'm going to read in quick succession, and they're both from 1973. And this first one is called Rape. Yum yum, the stars are out. I'll never forget how you smelled that night, like cheddar cheese melting under fluorescent light. Like a day-old rainbow fish. What a dish. Gotta lick my lips. Gotta dream, I daydream. Thorazine brain cloud. Rain, rain, comes coming down all over her. There she is on the hill, pale as a posy, getting soaking wet. Hope her petticoats shrink. Well, little shepherd girl, you're gonna kingdom come. Looking so clean, the guardian of every little lamb. Well, beep, beep, sheep, I'm moving in. I'm gonna peep in Bo's bodice. Lay down, darling, don't be modest. Let me slip my hand in. Oh, that's soft, that's nice. That's not used up. Oh, don't cry. Wet, what's wet? Oh, that, ha <laughs> That's just the rain, lamby pie. Now don't squirm, let me put my rubber on. I'm a wolf in a lambskin trojan. Oh yeah, that's hard, that's good. Now don't tighten up. Open, bebop, lift that little butt up. Mm. Open, wider, bebop, come on. Nothing can stop me now. Oh, ah, isn't that good, my melancholy bebop. Oh, don't cry, come on, get up. Let's dance in the grass. Let's cut a rug, let's jitterbug. Roll on those tiny white stockings down. Bobby Socko, let's flow. Come on. This is a dance contest under the stars. Let's Alice in the grass. Let's swing Betty Boop Hoop. 
Let's birdland, let's stroll, let's rock, let's roll, let's whalebone, let's go, let's deodorize the night. And the second one that I'd like to read. Ooh, I loved that one though. Mm. I, I, it was it was quite uh, shocking and yeah. dirty. Um, but also, I really so so. I what I find interesting about her work is she seems like um, she reappropriates um, things from the Bible, um, from say a nursery line yeah. about little Bo Peep, and she twists it then and and adds further depth and makes it a little bit darker. Would you say? There's a quote that I just found from Patty Smith talking about that poem, and she's responding to a review in the Village Voice, which is a newspaper in America, a kind of critical thing, I think mainly in New York. And um, they were shocked by hearing that poem at a reading. And she responded and said, when I wrote that poem, Rape, I thought there were great jokes in it, like I'm a wolf man in a lambskin Trojan. I thought of myself not as male or female or rapist, but as a comedian. When I'm writing... I'm just like a novelist. Novelists have to slip into the skins of all kind of people, and so do I. I'd like to taste everything in life, and I probably won't get a chance to rape or murder anybody, so sometimes I just psych myself up to feel like a rapist or a murderer, to write that rape poem. I read all these articles about Richard Speck, a notorious mass murderer who killed seven student nurses in the 60s. He was a really disgusting guy. He wore ski sweaters and had short hair, and I just lurked about the room for a while, letting the saliva come out of my mouth until I felt like speck. So that's a really interesting way or process that she has there. And it's really weird because when I read that poem, I feel kind of terrible reading it. It's so disgusting and you kind of do feel yourself almost in that character, which is horrible feeling, but quite an impressive work of literature. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's impressive if it makes you feel like that definitely yeah it really does yeah because it has made me feel a little bit repulsed yeah and I don't blame you it makes me feel quite repulsed as well and the way that she writes it there's no capital letters really it's all sort of stream of consciousness like you're in his head so even the grammar and stuff makes you almost inhabit that character which is horrible so shall I read the other one from 73 and then we can have a bit more of a general chat about her yeah, please do. That'd be yeah. great. Sorry for 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 um, pausing your movement there. I I, will you, I feel like you're going to take me to a complete opposite character now. <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> so this one's called Seventh Heaven. O Raphael, guardian angel, in love and crime, all things move in sevens. Seven compartments in the heart, the seven elaborate temptations, seven devils cast from Mary Magdalene, whore of Christ, the seven marvelous voyages of Sinbad. Sin, bad, and the number seven branded forever on the forehead of Cain, the first inspired man, the father of desire and murder. But his was not the first ecstasy. Consider his mother. Eve's was the crime of curiosity. As the saying goes, it killed the pussy. One bad apple spoiled the whole shot. But be sure it was no apple. An apple looks like an ass. It's a fag's fruit. It must have been a tomato, or better yet, a mango. She bit. Must we blame her, abuse her? Poor sweet bitch. Perhaps there's more to the story. Think of Satan as some stud. Maybe her knees were open. Satan snakes between them. They open wider, snakes up her thighs, rubs against her for a while. More than the tree of knowledge was about to be eaten. She shudders her first shudder. Pleasure, pleasure garden. She was sorry. Was she sorry? Are we ever girls? Was she a good lay? God only knows. So there's so much religious imagery in there. And so much appropriation. <laughs> yeah. And twisting. Yeah. yeah. How do you mean that by appropriation? That a bit unwell. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, she's taken a story that already exists and um, sort of as if it was clay she's twisted and warped it and and changed it a little bit which i i i haven't don't know much of her poetry and i actually don't think i know many of her songs but is this something that she does throughout the work or is this just um in these particular poems you've chosen that Hmm. i wouldn't say it's appropriation i think it's more looking at it just from a different angle so she's just stripped the religion out of it really so she's 
clearly got a very deep knowledge of the Bible, but she's looking at it almost from her contemporary point of view in 1973 and sort of, well, what was probably the reality? Like, it clearly wasn't an immaculate conception, was it? So she's looking, if anything, it's less an appropriation and more like going back and um, studying the facts. (laughs) An interrogation. Yeah, an interrogation. And similar with the first one, uh, Oath. Yeah, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. So she's just rejecting that whole thing. Um, My sins are my own. So she's accepting that she's got her own conscience and her own free will and her own ability to act. And she has to take responsibility for that. And that's what I'd say is kind of the key sort of atheist morality, isn't it? That you are responsible for your actions. Because religion gives you a get out, get out of jail card. <laughs> she's kind of stripping all that away and taking responsibility for herself. Which I think is really interesting. And it's like that oath is like the atheist's manifesto I would say that's how I read that one similar thing with seventh heaven Eve's was a crime of curiosity poor sweet bitch so it's like um looking at her in a more humane way rather than a kind of religious way I think must we blame her abuse her like she's been made the victim for doing something that pretty much everyone does And Patti Smith is kind of pointing out the unjustness of that. Who have you got to read? So I like that you chose Patti Smith because um, she feels very much like uh, such an American uh, author. And um, interestingly, I've got a couple of Patti Smith books that I've actually barely dipped into. But um, peeling back the cover of this, I enjoy how she's described as an American original <laughs> which, which, which I quite appreciate um, and um, uh, I find her choice interesting because she's a lyricist uh, as she is a poet so her songs come to mind and I wanted to also choose sort of um, an American poet um, who was perhaps even more modern than Patti Smith was um, so uh, I was in New York about this time last year and I attended a fascinating, uh, wonderful live poetry performance. And um, there I came across a poet called Michael Dickman. Okay. Um, and I have a couple of his poems to read. How does that sound? Sounds like? fantastic. Yeah. And, and how are you feeling today? Are you feeling well? Because I know you had a migraine a couple of days ago. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better now. I've had a bit of a traumatic week because I had to have the coronavirus test. <gasps> yeah. And then it was so... Um, I realised how sheltered but my whole so life normal. has been. Yeah. <laughs> well, I realised how sheltered my whole life has been because the whole um, act of going to the test centre and seeing all the nurses and stuff in the insane sort of hazmat gear and entering this bio tent and things like that. It was really traumatizing. I just got this like massive headache afterwards. I was completely wiped out. <laughs> but oh, no. now I feel good and the test was negative. So yeah, all good. <laughs> so happy days. Yeah. So, uh, and it's nice so to hear about is, your uh... trip to New York that you made this time last year. <laughs> Very jealous. Yeah. And it feels so oh. weird that, that it would just be impossible now. And that it would yeah. not have occurred to us at all this time last year to think that you couldn't go somewhere. Like I was in Especially. Denmark visiting our friend Jue this time last year and it just feels so weird to think that you can't do that now. Yeah. Well, in a sad tale about Den- Denmark, um, I've always wanted to visit this uh, restaurant called uh, Noma. Mm. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it. So um, incredible food. Uh, they grow a lot of it locally. And... It, it feels like certain experiences are now so fleeting because uh, I don't know if this restaurant will ever exist again because now they're just selling cheeseburgers. <laughs> so so they've always turned into like a, a high-end McDonald's to, to stay afloat. And I just feel it's, it's oh, no. that some of these incredible cultural experiences uh, that we took for granted a year ago, like me attending a poetry recital 
spontaneously in New York. It's very difficult to yeah in a room with loads of people and things that just couldn't happen now. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And with the author there right in front of me, like yeah, yeah, that that. So when you read these, let's um, can you describe the room a bit more so we can all get in the mindset that we're there where you were. Was this in the evening? Was this in the afternoon? Okay, okay. Well, uh, this was early evening. Um, it was around this time of year, so uh, very. The light was getting dark quite late, so um, I think I got there for like seven pm ish. Okay. Um, it was, it was quite. It, it was near Hudson Yards, where there's like a lot of development going on, um, and it was it was at the Hauser and Worth um, Gallery. Okay of the publishers around mm. there and it was just a really cool space there was like a bar and then there was this small publishers but they were basically um beautifully displaying books like they were artworks okay. it was it was just a exciting experience and was there natural light in the room space. was it dark there was loads of natural light flooding okay, into cool. the room i can't remember the um the windows exactly yeah. but loads of um fold up chairs were set up with these beautiful little zines. Mm. I don't know if you can see it. Parallax, so these poetic beautiful visions. zines. Exactly. Parallax poetic visions. And uh, they had, on they have, because I brought it back with me, uh, this wonderful uh, crayon printed sketch on the front, mm. which is quite surreal, but brings to mind nature. Mm. And this, this, was just, um, this was just something I found about on the cuff. Wow like the day before and found out it was yeah. happening and went there. It sounds like a very classy um, event. When you first mentioned this in our little pre-chat uh, <laughs> about it, uh, in response to Patty Smith, I was imagining <laughs> sort of like CBGBs or something, these dark rooms, dark bars in New York with uh, smoke coming out of the drains and, uh, you know, like in a it Hollywood darkened. movie. <laughs> And the it, smell it of beer. The <laughs> there was there was all of that occurred, but that was just in the neighbouring space. Yeah. It definitely did have that atmosphere, <laughs> but it did just feel it was it was one of those quite small crowds, maybe only about like twenty people. Okay, Not all the chairs cool. were filled. Mm. It just it was it was it just felt really intimate. Yeah, and it was just really nice, and um, yeah, just an incredible experience. That's so. Awesome. Um, I read this to you earlier this week because I wanted you to, to really, truly feel a little bit of Schadenfreude. Did you feel it? <laughs> I did. You did. Okay, great. <laughs> well, um, well, the poet, the poet I'm going to read, uh, who I saw there in reality, is called Michael Dickman, okay. um, and he writes often about um, his personal experiences in his life, uh, like most poets. So perhaps in a way the opposite to Patti Smith with regards to appropriation or um, the questioning of past stories. Mm, interesting. Um, but um, and what I'm going to read you now uh, is Green Migraine. Some dragonflies down there, some static and dirty diapers. I'll never get back to sleep this way. Dandelion teeth drop from a spring sky and skitter the surface of, a pond and the perfectly still grass. Shake, shake, shake it but don't, break, break, break it. I can almost get it with these tweezers. Chlorine in the cupola, feedback out of ferns. The eyes in frogs like eggs all burst at the same time from eggshells. Green sky, green sky, green sky. Some moss up there, some clouds. Getting sick. See those hummingbirds? I painted those with a silver tip paintbrush and an unopened bottle of mint cream amitriptyline. The peas in the pod cry out and then roll to the floor. In flames, the rind on the watermelon smiles. Tree ants melt in my mouth and leaves end in algae. Grasshoppers vibrate. The night was green, the morning was green, and now it's late afternoon inside of a lawnmower. Some kids in there, some chlorophyll and sunburn. It doesn't hurt so much with the blinds shut. It doesn't hurt when a leaf falls to the ground. It's the sound. The grass in the yard stands straight up. Did you enjoy that, Lee? Yeah, I did. 
Was it the right amount of rhyming for your delight? It was actually, and that was something I noticed and also thought about with the Patti Smith ones I was just reading, that there's a lot more like half rhymes and words that are kind of close to rhyming, like alliteration and things and um, Hmm. assonance, where the vowel sounds are similar. Yeah, I do think I enjoy that assonance. (laughs) (laughs) It does delight me. Well, um, and, and just there are really enjoyable sentences to read for me and just really beautiful imagery mm. again, like uh, uh, dandelion teeth drop from a spring sky and skitter the surface of. Yeah. <laughs> That's just very satisfying to, to, to get your mouth around. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what do you, um, what kind of mood do you get from that poem? I found it a bit difficult to know whether it was I was meant to get the sort of feeling of a migraine. I thought towards the end that that was a bit what it was describing with the blind being down and things like that and the light hurting your eyes. Um, But I didn't totally get that sort of oppressive feeling from it. Did you get that when you read it? Well, well, I feel like I got one up from you here because the author, when he read this out loud, mm. because this is one of the po- poems in this book, he actually said it was describing one of his migraines because he gets really bad okay. ones. So I think it is trying to describe a migraine, but it, there's quite a lot of, for me, very beautiful imagery yeah. considering it is doing that. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, it reminded me a lot of the Holly Pester one you read with the hooped skirt and things. It was more like those sort of happy <laughs> images that were coming to my mind, which is weird. <laughs> Maybe just because it's summer now and all the trees have started to go green, or the mention of green was making me feel quite positive. Just taking us elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, um, on, the, on the day I was trying to cheer you up with your migraine and I sent you this, uh, I didn't have a headache, but uh, I was getting slightly irritated with the builders singing Robbie Williams. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, taking off... Uh, the scaffolding and, like, making these really, like... Clanging noises. Of, uh, yeah resonant clangs and I was I was just trying to I was starting to feel like yeah I sort of see why he's using a lot of repetition in this Mm. because that's what that's what a headache feels like yeah you can't escape it that constant noise yeah exactly (laughs) yeah that's interesting I'll have to read it again and uh hear it through that prism there's lots of repetition and dictating of movement in the poem like and I think for me that's almost m- makes me visualize a headache or just yeah. something that's bashing on and when head. you have the migraine and you have the sort of white noise coming into your eyes and when you lose the vision because you sort of lose spots of vision and things like that I think probably the the repetition and stuff made me think of that well and also that that visual description sounds very much like his uh, painting um with the silver tip paintbrush um and an unopened bottle of mint cream amitriptyline mm. that sounds a bit like what you just described yeah. what he was trying <laughs> to refer to that so so maybe 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 you need to listen again yeah his was much more poetic maybe, than maybe. That. <laughs> <laughs> who knows i'm not so sure it was awesome yeah well yeah i, I and terribly lee i don't know an awful lot about michael dickman um, I know that he is a poet, obviously, <laughs> but he's 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 also a twin, and weirdly, his brother is a poet. Really? Do you do how? What do you think of That's that? Super weird. That seems really. Does unusual. he do similar and, poetry? Um, do you think? Do you know? No, I think his poetry is quite different, and I can uh, read an example in a little while of a poem. I think they both wrote a poem about where they came from, which is Portland, Oregon. Okay. So. Um, so so um yeah I, i'm definitely taking us to um a certain echelon of american mm. apologies yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so so and i think their writing is quite different and um michael dickman's um very much is this personal um fragmentary poetry um where i think the voice and his voice um needs to be quite important in that mm. So let me let me actually pick up um, these two poems that they wrote about. And his brother is called Matthew, so it's very confusing. Michael indeed. and Matthew. <laughs> Michael and Matthew, yeah, exactly. Dickman. And quickly, Lee, I thought something was quite funny. So so um, I feel a bit like uh, today, as we're talking about Michael and Patty, it mm. feels a little bit like, um, you know, a, a, an ITV breakfast show. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that do you get no, that, that reference is lost on me <laughs> yeah no okay I, it just feels a bit like uh this morning um here's our news with, with michael. michael and patty okay. <laughs> but not there's not like uh because i haven't been in the country for a while there's not like uh michael and patty who are the famous people presenting this morning now no there's one with like richard and Judy. yeah they're not the new really richard and judy me. michael and patty but it felt, I felt Just like in they your could head. be. And I, thought, <laughs> I thought that that could be quite enjoyable. I imagine two poets doing yeah, like two New York the, the poets morning breakfast doing, show. Yeah, that would be quite cool. <laughs> I think that would, you know, really open some 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 uh, British people's minds. Yeah. I think that would be great. What's that guy who presents that uh, programme called Piers something or another? The uh, real Morgan? asshole. Yeah, Piers Morgan. I'd like to see uh, Patty Smith yeah. take down Piers Morgan. That would be quite satisfying. <laughs> that would be excellent. I reckon she could. <laughs> Maybe she already has. Yeah, she probably has. We're going to do some research and see if, you know, um, he's been knocked to the knees at that. This actually does remind me of um, one Patti Smith story that I actually wanted to tell that I forgot. So you've seen Michael Dickman in real life and I've seen Patti Smith in real life as well uh, in 2007. What? And she spat on me. Lee, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) She She wasn't intentionally spitting on me. But I was in the crowd and she spat into the crowd and it hit me. That's intense. That really wouldn't be allowed these days. No, it really wouldn't be allowed these days. In the time of corona. So talking of things that we couldn't do now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't be spat on by Yeah, I couldn't be spat on by Patti Smith. I mean, I could, but I wouldn't want to anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lee, that, that now can be a real claim to fame. Like, you know... Yeah, exactly. No, nobody else is going to be able to say that in years yeah. to come. Yeah, I mean, if they don't find a vaccine, and we have to be really careful now for the rest of our lives, that is really going to be my anecdote to dine out on, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Awesome. Wait. So Michael Dickman didn't spit into the crowd when you were watching him? No, no. Well, I, I think I, I was, you know, a couple of rows back. I think mm. I was like third row from the front. So, you know, no spit came near me. Well, a good projectile uh, will reach so that far, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lucky me, lucky me. <laughs> so here we go. Um, this is a poem um, by Michael Dickman, and I don't know the name. Let's call it Portland. But it is about... Sorry. Let's call it Portland. We'll call it Portland, but um, listeners, I can let you know the name at a later date. They used to be good at being alive, pointing their index fingers at the trees passing, invisible sentences, proclamations, knighting the birds, one by one, all down my street the new fathers, beat the kingness out of the kings. Interesting. So that one's about growing up in Portland. That one's about growing up in Portland, and uh, my understanding is... They grew up in quite a rough neighbourhood of Portland, but I've never been there, so I don't know it well. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, there was a lot of violence. That, that is just a, a brief absorption on the area. Okay. Um, and let me read um, his brother's poem. Okay, hit me. So I think one thing that characterises both their work is they write, write about similar things, but in a very different manner. Dear Lentz, dear 82nd Avenue, dear 92nd and Foster... I am your strange son. You saved me when I needed saving. Your arms wrapped round. My bassinet like patrol cars wrapped around. The schoolyard. The night Jason went crazy. Waving his father's gun above his head. Bathed in red and blue flashing lights. All American. Broken in half and beautiful. Are you alluding to me that you actually prefer his brother's poetry, Lee? <laughs> no, I thought they were both uh, good. It's hard to completely um, tell what you mean by that they're quite different because I guess if you hadn't told me that that was by the brother, I wouldn't have guessed that that wasn't one of his. Um, but what what makes you think that they're very different? Um, well, well I, I think that even just looking at them visually on the page, you can tell that Michael's work is a lot more fragmentary because there are some lines with single letters and very, very small anecdotes or uh, descriptions. Okay. And um, perhaps there is a bit more, bit more meat 
to Matthew's work. Yeah, it felt more fleshed out, like it was more of a story rather than um, just these independent phrases and things that give an atmosphere. His was maybe more a literal story, do you think? Yeah, perhaps. I think I think that you might be right. Yeah, well, we perhaps got more information about the area from it, didn't mm, we? Yeah. Less, less of a sort of a... Um... Yeah, it was less obscure with the... Because that one very much had the image of the police lights and things and the patrol cars. Whereas I don't think I would have known anything about it being a rough area from Michael's one. That was more alluding to things like royalty and stuff, wasn't it? And the uh, maybe the hierarchy of the area and the different groups that were in the area or something. And um, Lee, can I read you one more poem? Yeah, please do. So back to Michael Dickman, okay. um, who, who, who I had the delight of not being spat on by. <laughs> <laughs> Butterflies. Sonic drag and television snow in the rhododendrons. White scales smudge the windows, fluttery. It's all just description. A wall of butterflies falls apart in the middle of the air or flies back together again, like dry wool. Their eyes are spackled. All together in a pile above the grass, they look fluorescent. Children. Coming home from school at noon. Their legs go tick, tick. Someone changes the channel inside a cocoon. Yeah, I liked that one. I really liked the use of the word spackled, which doesn't sound like a real word word to me. That sounds like a word that he's made up for sort of onomatopoeic purposes or something, which I quite enjoyed. And then the describing something natural as like drywall. That's quite evocative, isn't it? Very, again... It's very obvious, but it feels so uh, much more American, just the simple use of um, the drywall as well. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the David Berman ones we were reading, those very American phrases and atmospheres. And I don't know, there's something about uh, the children's legs going tick, tick that reminds me of the American accent. I don't know Ah, what that is. That's interesting. (laughs) Do you know how old Michael Dickman is? He was born on the 20th of August, 1975. So how old will he be? It's 2020, so he is 45. Okay. And he has two children. So he's sort of, you know, you you would think he's, he's, you know, a standard... um, Standard American man. A standard, a standard white American man, but no, he's a poet. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he live now, now, do you know? Does he live in New York or Portland still or anything like that? I'm not totally sure where he lives these days. Um, I know that he's written a lot for The New Yorker, um, okay. also for the American Poetry Review. Um, but I do not know where he lives now. So I've just found this out, which is mad. Um, have you seen the movie Minority Report, Lee? I haven't actually. <laughs> you haven't. No. Oh no, we lost on you. Okay, it, it it's quite surreal and trippy and like very like you know if the future was uh, a bit a bit mucked up, and um, he he starred in the movie alongside his brother, uh, which wow. was in two thousand and two. Um, they starred as the precog twins who predicted the future. Which oh wow, is quite weird. that's amazing. Did they predict this <laughs> pandemic? Who knows, who knows? But super random, right? (laughs) That is really random. Well, talking about um, stories of the future, I would like to read one more Patti Smith poem. And this one is called Hecatomb. And it was published in 2016 as a collaboration between Patti Smith and the Colombian draftsman Jose Antonio Suarez Londano. And it's published as a book which has the poem and 20 drawings by Jose Suarez Londano. And it looks really nice. I don't own it, but I've um, been looking at some pictures on the internet and it looks really great. So any listeners who fancy getting themselves a really beautiful book, that definitely seems like a great one to get. And the drawings are very simple uh, pencil drawings kind of axonometric style, and then silhouettes and quite trippy arrangements. 
So they're quite interesting. And have you read Patty Smith's book, M Train, Charlie? I've listened to the audiobook, and, um, but it washed over me her wonderful drawl. Well, in, the, in that book, she describes the writing of this poem. So I wanted to read you first a passage that she's written describing uh, the context in which she wrote this poem. So, New Year's Eve was pretty much the same story with no particular resolution. As thousands of drunken revellers dispersed in Times Square, my little obsidian circled the floor with me as I paced, wrestling with a poem I was aiming to finish to usher in the new year, in homage to the great Chilean writer Roberto Bellano. In reading his amulet, I noted a passing reference to the hecatomb, an ancient ritualistic slaughter of 100 oxen. I decided to write a hecatomb for him, a hundred-line poem. It was to be a way to thank him for spending the last stretch of his brief life racing to finish his masterpiece, 2666. If only he could have been given special dispensation, been allowed to live, for 2666 seemed set up to go on forever, as long as he wished to write. Such a sad portion of injustice served to beautiful Bellano, to die at the height of his powers at fifty years old. The loss of him and his unwritten, denying us at least one secret of the world. As the last hours of the year ticked away, I wrote and rewrote, then recited the lines out loud. But as the ball dropped in Times Square, I realised I had written 101 lines by mistake, and I couldn't face oh no. I couldn't face figuring which one to sacrifice. It also occurred to me that I was inadvertently invoking the slaughter of the kin of the glowing bone oxen watching over the Christ child in the creche on my bookcase. Did it matter the ritual was in word only? Did it matter my oxen were carved in bone? After a few minutes of looping rumination, I temporarily laid aside my hecatomb and switched over to a movie. So there you get a sense of Patti Smith's style and her life. <laughs> um, so yeah, this poem was written in tribute to the Chilean writer Roberto Bellano. And it is a hundred line poem. So listeners, if you want to pause and get a cup of tea or something and then come back and enjoy this, then maybe this is the time because it's going to go on for a little while. So here I go. Uh, Hecatomb by Patti Smith. You spoke of a spiritual hecatomb, the sacrifice of 100 oxen offered to the oracle, the god of truth, poetry and music. You spoke of a song, the children's crusade, death and the mountain, helicoidally spliced. Now we the worthless, unsolicited revelators overturn all the tables, cash in our chips and speak of this, infiltration, canonization, apocalyptic celebration. We spit seeds, curb hands, sprinkle barley meal prey before the altar of your tomb. The world that is all worlds and the broken lyre of Apollo and slaughter's curving saw. We speak of the iron circle, a holy hecatomb in your name. Though not butchered all at once, methodically three-minute intervals, a finale of 100 fireworks, slowed down, shot off one at a time, so the spectators... Astonished mouth remains open for as long as it takes. As for the oxen, figure three times one hundred, a rite of three hundred minutes, a poem of perpetual death trumping the Greeks in the precinct of the muse. These oxen are as birds, transistive, barely rehearsed, long-legged grey as elephants, with sad, spasmodic gestures, each a poem spread eagle, with a multicoloured skirt, hiked over the face, wrapped in the wings of swollen laughter. These oxen are babes, wallowing in the dust, pining the woodcutter, whose axe was alive, their tears evaporate like sweat on the back of the neck of a labourer from the southern border, where there are no borders, where bards and assassins scrape encrypted soles of incriminating shoes and crumbling hearts, right of your St. Teresa, a city shaped like a dress piercing at the breast, dripping wands of blood, a retablo of sacred laundry, white limbs, white feet, Skipping indiscreet fires, pale hide swaddled thigh, quivering spit beneath the moon lamp. A spreading horn sounds, we are slaves reborn. The lowing of oxen, strung as a menagerie, about a giant's throat. We are his proud head, bursting like a bubble, in a golden syringe. We are oxen of the sun, 
tossing burning shirts upon the gravest course, a poet's coat is skin, with pockets of chasm lined in iambic verse. His knife is a toy, spiralling the universe, tagging a curving sky, a trilogy of numbers, sealing a wired skull. He expands his bony torso, dives the lifeblood pond, unleashing for all time a hundred laurel wreaths, and your body conjured, raise your crosspiece, rise through the centre, dance upon the water, a slow tempo dance, quaking the earth with your ecstatic fury. And there we go. That's the hundred lines. That's the Hecatu. Was that Hecatu also a song or was it just a, always a poem? It was a, only a poem, yeah. Published in this book with mm. the drawings. Ah, interesting that you say published with the drawings because I was finding it very visual and I was doodling at the same time and I was trying to draw a city shaped like a dress oh, how and interesting. this golden sh- syringe she described with like a head exploding in it and Can I was I see the picture? finding the imagery. <laughs> well... Very doodly. Oh, wow. <laughs> Love it. There's one other bit that I wanted to read from M Train, just about her writing the poem. Oh, please do, yeah. Uh, so she always goes to this same cafe, Cafe Eno, and she always orders the same. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. So here we go again. <laughs> oh, Lee, how I miss the cafes. Yeah, though. exactly. This might be a bit painful for me. I'm not sure you can read this. <laughs> so listeners, imagine going to your own favourite cafe and... Uh, sitting down and people watching and imagine that you can see patty smith across the room donning my and imagine she might pit, spit on yeah. you yeah like watch out for her loading up her <laughs> oyster okay if you're listening to this patty we love you and i'm sorry about talking about you spitting on me so much okay donning my black coat and watch cap i trudge across sixth avenue like a faithful postman delivering myself daily before the orange awning of Café Eno. As I labour yet again on variations of the Hecatomb poem for Bellano, my morning sojourn lengthens well into the afternoon. I order Tuscan bean soup, brown bread with olive oil, and more black coffee. I count the lines of the envisioned 100-line poem, now three lines shy. Ninety-seven clues, but nothing solved. Another cold-case poem. And I find that really interesting because she's clearly slaving away over this poem. And this book was published in 2015. And I think it possibly covers at least a year or two before that. And the poem was not published till 2016. So there's potentially at least two or three years of work gone into that poem. Which I find quite amazing. That's incredible. But how? But um, do you get a gauge of how quickly she writes? Because when she says her morning sojourn, there is something... I feel that that's quite relaxed. It sounds to me like uh, visiting this cafe is quite a meditative experience. And uh, yeah. it, it doesn't sound to me like she wants to hurry to complete a poem. She wants it to be right, perhaps. Yeah, definitely. I think she right. gets lost inside them. And I think she takes them quite seriously. I think she has a kind of feels a great weight of responsibility to convey what she wants to convey. And I also think that she feels a great um, relationship with these various writers who she holds in high regard. I don't know if she knew Bellano, but throughout this book and also Just Kids, you get a sense that she's very deeply affected by art and by literature. And I think that she... um, we spoke about her kind of spirituality, that she seems like a very spiritual person, if not religious. And I think for her, literature is very spiritual and she feels like she is honouring this poet through her writing. So she wants to get it right and she wants to spend that mm-hmm. time making this thing for them and crafting this thing for them that honours them sufficiently. So I think, yeah, she feels a great uh, weight of responsibility in her work. So how, how much do you know about the writer whom um, she was honouring through it? Uh, almost nothing. <laughs> because I wonder if, um, if again, uh, she's using imagery related to him, a little bit like how she uses... Um, yeah, well, she's definitely know, referencing the... his um, the novel that she's talking about. So I, my understanding is that he wrote this one great novel, 2666, before he died, or kind of as he was dying. Um, and that that had this thing about the uh, hecatomb being this kind of ritual of slaughtering these oxen. 
So yeah, I think a lot of this poem is about that. For example, if you just, um, if I just read the first three lines again, or first five lines, you spoke of a spiritual hecatomb, the sacrifice of 100 oxen offered to the oracle, the God of truth, poetry and music. So she's addressing him. You spoke of song, the children's crusade, death and the mountain. So she's writing this to him and celebrating him. And I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the imagery and things uh, written here are things that either happen or images that she sees from the novel and things like that. Mm. It makes me interested to read that novel. I think I... Yes, I really yeah. would love to read it. It's, it sounds... It sounds almost mythical. Yeah, definitely. You know, it sounds it sounds as if you know we could be in ancient Greece or uh, yeah. on an odyssey together. Lee. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and there's another story that she tells at the start of M Train where she goes to this prison in uh, French Guiana, but she goes there in order to honor Genet because he wanted to be sent to this prison, but. And he did some crimes in order to get sent there because he'd basically like mythologized this prison. And then they shut the prison, so he never got to go there. So Patty Smith decides that she will go there in his stead in order to honor him. So she goes to this kind of long closed prison and she walks around the cells and she digs out some stones to kind of um, give to Jeannet and things like that. So I think there's a really uh she really feels the the spirituality of literature i think and feels like she can honor these people through her actions and her works and things like that so charlie i have to rush off now because i'm going to watch a live stream of the poet i talked about last week uh tim key oh amazing yeah enjoy your late performance later yeah thanks a lot have fun listeners okay thank you aloha bye <laughs>
you want to get a quick beer? Do you want to take your washing down? I should go get it. No, you can't. <laughs>